I wanted to speak a little bit today about what Sama Sankapa is in Pali. That's, you know, the second leg of the Noble Eightfold Path can be translated as right thought or right intention, right resolve, right uh, orientation on the path. And I've called it, you know, like the GPS on the path. Because in times like current times, you know, where there's a lot of new things have have arrived in our lives and it's kind of unclear, you know, how to navigate the complexity of what's happening and what needs to happen. It's really not possible to think one's way through it because there's so much uncertainty. But what we can do is we can, you know, point our energy in the right direction and then you know, just allow life to take us along because it does it anyway, you know. And I, I just, in some way, you know, it is really scary what's happening right now, but in another way, it's also quite awesome, you know, that nature is actually directing the unfolding very much. And, and, and this, this COVID virus, how I see it, is... It's just a way, you know, how we might have been saved from ourselves in a certain way, you know, to making things even worse. So I have a sense of awe in the midst of it. And then at the same time, also a sense of, you know, great uh, uncertainty, not knowing so many things. And, you know, in a way, this always has been like this. We were just not aware of it, you know, because causes and conditions were such that we could kind of believe that we are in control. And now it has been really shown up to us. And uh, so this, you know, this concept of right intention as a GPS on the path, I find that very um, um, you know, helpful and reassuring that even, you know, there's a lot of chaos, but if we at least point our lives <coughs> in the right directions, then that's probably as good as it gets, you know, if there's a lot of unpredictable things going on around us, we can still work with that right intention. And right intention consists of three different parts, you know, the the first one is is uh, thought free from desire. You know, trying to kind of cultivate our minds into letting go of preconceived ideas how things need to be. And you know, it can also be called uh, renunciation, which is not a very has is not a very sexy word, I suppose. And it's more like a monastic word. And then sometimes it's also, we can also call it generosity or, you know, making a difference between wants and needs. So that would be the, the first part. And I think that one is very important because, you know, the whole um, question of climate change, as you all know, is really be very big looming in our lives. and the way, you know, how we live and what we take out of the planet is, is completely unsustainable. So, you know, to learn about 
renunciation and of you know being able to live with less is really very important for us and then the second one is thought free from ill will or non-in will or sometimes we can also call it loving kindness or metta benevolence that's the practice you know how we can train ourselves and then third one thought free from harm and cruelty and harmlessness or, or compassion so the three practices you know generosity the antidotes we can say you know how we can meet those thoughts in ourselves generosity metta or loving kindness benevolence and karuna or compassion those three practices and before you know in the guided meditation i have been bringing those up you know so the first part was looking you know what is dragging us into sorts of last ill will and uh, harm and cruelty it's it's you know being attached to certain feeling tones and and with the practice you know we want to learn to notice you know how those feeling tones can drag us into certain ways of thinking you know and then those certain ways of thinking become habitual tendencies and then it's it's not easy you know for ourselves to stay conscious because we have developed that preference you know and whenever there is something coming up we just tend to go down the same alley again and again because we are familiar with it and then you know sometimes really big things happen which prevent us to do that for example now with the with the virus you know where suddenly we had to change our lives in in quite unexpected ways and there was no negotiating you know it just needed to be done and we actually have done it and we are doing it and we found ways you know to do it and we can still meet even it's different than it was before but it is actually possible you know there's a lot of creativity and potential there if we are willing to turn around and activate it you know but very often we just try to to not do this because we just think it doesn't work and we can't do it because it feels kind of a bit uncertain and unpleasant and and i think you know what we are just in the middle of is is actually a big showing up you know that actually we, we could do much more than what we are doing now you know and we have the the capacity really but we just need to take things serious enough so that we can really have that sense of urgency or in the scriptures is sometimes you know said like you know the the turban on the head or the hair on the head is on fire and but somehow you know we always find ways to kind of distract ourselves and now we are in a situation where we actually have been able to make some quite big changes in a very short time and just at the beginning you know today of the session i've spoken about it with katya a little bit and she was also saying you know how amazing you know we have been able to gather you know working trying you know to get the curve of the people who are needing you know like emergency treatment in hospitals to try to flatten that curve and we have actually you know 
in different countries it was uh, successful in different degrees but we have been able you know to work together for some for a goal you know we have never before had to concern ourselves with so and that shows you know that we actually are able to do these things and i think that should give us a, a sense of uh hope you know and and a sense of of confidence that we actually have what it takes if we really take things serious enough you know and i think you know in order to be have the, a mind which is able you know to sensitive enough to really take in what's happening we need the practice for that you know because the practice is all about you know stripping away those layers of insensitivity and those layers of uh, distraction and then being really able to to take in what's what's happening and to really take in impermanence in a deep way you know and so you know having a having a practice and and taking it serious enough that you're showing up here on zoom and that you really feel a need to meet together as a, as a sangha that's a very good way of using one's time really and and preparing the mind you know to to pay attention to the truth of impermanence and you know that just right now we are really on, on a very pivotal point in in the evolution of our species you know where we are suddenly realizing we really need to work together seriously about if we want to you know keep on uh, evolving we have to work together and we have to really take advantage of of what we can do with our minds that we do have teachings and the buddha's teaching is a really very pragmatic one and we can really use it we can and this is really the best way what what we can do with a lifetime is to use this human birth as a way you know of cultivating our mind so whenever we lose that body which is going to happen either you know in a few minutes or in a few years or in a few or in 30 years or whenever so you know that when the time comes that we can say to ourselves we have been really using this lifetime to <coughs> work on our minds you know and as i said earlier the three practices you know in in a context of right thought are generosity or renunciation loving kindness or benevolence and and karuna or compassion and you know they are not kind of very difficult to understand intellectually or like foreign concepts you have all of heard of it and and you know and those three qualities they are not only benefiting the one who is practicing but benefiting everyone around us and 
you know, to find ways how we can bring that really in our daily lives. And when, when a, a thought comes up, when, when we feel we want to do something to ask ourselves those questions, you know, is this, a, is this generous? You know, is this, where is it, or is it motivated by wanting it my way? Or is this, you know, is this really, is there a benevolence in this? Or is it rather like a way of wanting to push things away? Or, you know, is this compassionate? Or is there a sense of, you know, wanting to hurt because we ourselves feel so, so much pain? And there's this delusion that if we, you know, kind of put the pain onto somebody else, then maybe for a moment we feel better for a second or, or two. And then afterwards, there's a lot of remorse. You know, can I <coughs> really stop here and just go in and feel the feeling and not act out? I think that's what, what that uh, concept of right thought or right intention, Samasankaba is all about. You know, stopping for a moment and just reflecting. And then very often, you know, we will we'll say, oh, no, it's actually much better to feel this unpleasant feeling than to act on it and then afterwards have remorse, you know, and then try to repair it and have to go through all kinds of trials and tribulations, you know, and win the trust back in relationship. And, and then at one point we just think, oh, it's much better not to act out in this way. It's, it's so much better to be able to stop and and just, you know, make ourselves bigger. And so I think all of those qualities, you know, generosity, loving kindness and compassion, they're all about, you know, making ourselves like bigger, making a bigger container to be able to hold the feeling tone for just a bit longer because it's impermanent. And I, I really liked that there was a, a Zen teacher, her name was Choco Beck. She always spoke about ABC, a bigger container you know, the ABC of practice, a bigger container for everything, you know, for our feelings, for our moods, for our desires, for everything to just allow that to be held in a bigger container and then just seeing, okay, you know, it's arising and then it's ceasing, you know, and that total faith in impermanence, we can, we can, you know, cultivate that through through the meditation practice by you know, stealing the mind enough so it can pay attention to ending of things, not only beginning, you know. And now we are in such a time where there's a lot of endings and we don't know yet what's going to begin because there's so much uncertainty. <coughs> but there's absolutely no doubt that there will be something beginning because it always goes on and on and on. and you know, I really love the image of flowers. You know, they come out in the spring and then, you know, they're going to come out and be beautiful for some time and then they just go back in the earth and then there's not knowing what's going to be. There's darkness. And we are now in such a passage, you know, where there's a lot of darkness and it's very narrow and confined and it all feels like, wow, we have completely lost the plot. We haven't completely lost the plot. We have just lost the plot 
in terms of we have to reorganize ourselves. And now we have a time of, uh, you know, going down and, and uh, you know, doing this a, shaman, a shamanic journey, really, you know, where everything is, is dark and we don't know what's going to happen next. And I think, you know, that is actually a very, it's in, inevitable, you know, it has never been different, you know, that's how we learn. We learn by really fully understanding that the old ways are no longer working. That's how we learn. And I think and if we want to accelerate, you know, that, then we just need to really turn towards what's happening and really not distract ourselves. So, I mean, you know, sometimes we just need a break also, that's clear. But to kind of, you know, be, be generous, be courageous, and, and just opening and taking it on, you know. And especially people like us, you know, who do have a practice, who do know how to do it. We especially have a, a responsibility to really use the practice now. And, you know, we don't need to know. We just need to go at least in the right direction, you know. Like when you're going somewhere I've never been before, you set the GPS, you know, and then you just keep driving as good as you can. And you don't know how it's going to be where you're going. But what else do you want to do? You know, you want to not do anything that doesn't work either. So that's, you know, that's what I wanted to share today. And uh, I'd, I'd like to read one quote, uh, you know, from the Buddha, and it's about renunciation. And it might not be very sexy, as I said in the beginning, but I think it's, it's actually very powerful because it really shows us up in a big way. And that's what we need to take advantage of that, that can be done. So it's about somebody who went to see Ananda and then Ananda took that person to the Buddha and they were speaking about um, renunciation. <coughs> so the Buddha replied, so it is, so it is. Even I myself, before my awakening, when I was still an unawakened bodhisattva, I thought, Renunciation is good, seclusion is good, but my heart didn't leap up at renunciation, didn't grow confident, steadfast, or firm, seeing it as peace. The thought occurred to me, what is the cause, what is the reason why my heart doesn't leap up at renunciation, doesn't grow confident, steadfast, or firm, seeing it as peace. Then the thought occurred to me. I haven't seen the drawback of sensual pleasures. I haven't pursued that theme. I haven't understood the reward of renunciation. I haven't familiarized myself with it. That's why my heart doesn't leap up at renunciation, doesn't grow confident, steadfast, or firm, seeing it as peace. That's a, a quote uh, from the Anguttara Nikaya. So, you know, saying that 
only through fam if we familiarize ourselves with the drawbacks of being addicted to sensual pleasures and seeing you know the benefit of being free from that addiction and that can only be really you know kind of cultivated through meditation and i think you know that's the big leap we need to make and and we do have a practice you know we actually do do have a technology to actually do it we just need to really do it you know and uh, i was wondering you know we have like another 10 minutes or so if anybody has a, a question or a comment you could just mute yourself and speak up because we are not so many people so that we can try it that way please I had a question come up in the practice we were just doing with noticing um, one thing, my mind is going to a lot of planning, like in the mm -hmm. last, in this period of time. And it seems like a comforting mechanism, like, oh, you've got to send that email. And it makes me not have to sit with like all the uncertainty that's there. Um, but I noticed when you were saying, well, when you get distracted or when you get pulled away, just notice the feeling tone. And there was something interesting that happened there where, um, I would notice the feeling tone and it would get much bigger. Like there'd be this little hint of like uh, constricted frustration. And then when I would notice it, it would be like, whoo, like take over my whole um, experience. And then it would kind of dissolve and I was able to go back to center. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to first thank you for that pointer. And then I guess the question I have is in, I had a moment of pause because I was thinking, oh, by noticing this frustration, am I cultivating the frustration? Am I actually investing in having more of that happen? No. Okay. No, you, <laughs> no, you're not. I think it's more like, you know, you see more clearly what motivates you, you know, to, to kind of turn away. And I think if you really pay attention to it, it's, it's just going to, just show it's you know show you see what it is and and it, you will see that it's it's yeah has a middle uh, has a beginning a middle and an end I, I don't think you know if you would indulge in it that's something else than being mindful of it you know and what I was speaking about was you know being mindful yeah I see there's a question Kate. I can't just read it huh Please comment on an intention versus a goal and how to avoid attachment to this. I think, an, you know, an intention and a goal is maybe quite similar in a way. You know, if, if our goal is, you know, to free the mind from greed, hatred, and delusion would be the same as having that intention. And what makes any intention or any goal, you know, difficult is if we attach to it. But if we have it as a guiding star, you know, we have it as a guiding star, which we look up to, but then, you know, we have to also look on the ground where we are walking, otherwise we're gonna stumble over all kinds of obstacles on the path. So, you know, it's not, the, the point is not, is it, a, is it an intention or is it a goal? But the point is, you know, are you attached to it or, or are you uh, 
using it as a guiding star, you know, as a as a way to to kind of have a a clarity in which direction you want to go because sometimes the going gets very tough and can be very confusing and then we need to be clear you know because we might not be able to identify certain things for what they are but we we will be able to know you know it's is this in the heart is this coming from generosity or is it coming from you know holding on is this coming from benevolence or is it coming from evil is this coming from compassion or is it coming from cruelty? You know, even we don't know more than this, but this is enough to, not, to go in the right direction. Yeah, Gwen? I had a, yeah, just kind of um, similar kind of, or similar topic, this, this distinction between intention and goal-oriented um, thinking. And I guess, you know, one of the things that I find happens with me in regards to intention is I get very into the specifics, like planning, like, oh, I'm gonna sit every day for this number of minutes. And that really brings me into this other kind of, you know, future planning, not very mindful type of activity. And it really helped me that you talked about the GPS, like kind mm -hmm. of go of some of the specifics and more like setting this more general intention or goal and then letting go. Um, yes. That really anyway just wanted to say that that was really really helpful thank you yeah you know it makes also sense to me like to have like a little you know to have like a bit of a template of your day maybe where to have a sitting in the beginning and at the end of whatever you can do in your life you know because to have some clarity but then if you over anything you we overdo you know too much planning and then it's a trap again you know but no planning also doesn't work so it's always about the middle way, you know. And then when you see you go off, you know, then just come back, what is it, you know? Is it like maybe there's a certain fear or insecurity and then you think if over planning, you know, can actually distract you from that uncertainty. Okay, oh, you know, do you see that? And then you just drop it, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we are in a really amazing time now with all of this, isn't it? Awesome, in some way and awful at the same time, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, that's what evolution looks like, you know. Looks like we need a lot of support, isn't it? We need to be really kind of like, you know, I sometimes see it like when, when kids have to stay back in school because they haven't been paying attention or how that's called in English, you know, because they haven't been willing, you know, to pay attention and they have to just stay longer because and it's like for us like now we are forced by circumstances to to really you know take a good look and the more i think we cooperate with that you know the the, 
the less painful it's going to be for those who can really uh, go with the what's needed, you know. Just, you know, do not resist it, do not, uh, yeah. Because, you know, the pain, there's a lot of pain brought up in many different ways by maybe losing one's work, losing loved ones, losing, you know, the plans for the future and whatever people, you know, are confronted with. But then if you put the resistance on top of it, then we multiply the suffering just, you know. And, and the practice can help us with that, you know, to not multiply the suffering. The pain is the pain that won't, you know, just disappear. But we can do something about the suffering. And that's better than being not able to do anything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's all I, you know, that's all I can, I can share and, uh, you know, using the GPS of right intention in terms of generosity, loving kindness or benevolence and compassion, you know, for ourselves and for what's going on in our own hearts and what's happening around us, you know. And if we would, you know, if we would really, if evolution means, you know, to, to kind of be more proficient in those qualities, then if we see it in that way that evolution is about, you know, living in a bigger sense of uh, non-separation, you know, having more clarity about non-separation, if that's what it is all about, you know, then what we are experiencing now in this time of the COVID virus makes a lot of sense, you know. And because evolution doesn't really care so much about individual preferences, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's much bigger game going on, you know, than that. And we are just like little grains of sand in this. You know, and even if we, I mean, even if we die, you know, if we're not fully enlightened, we're gonna come back, so. It's really nothing we can really lose, you know, which is of any value on the long run, you know. And I don't say that flippant because of course, you know, in a conventional sense, there's a lot one can lose, but in an ultimate sense, there's nothing which is of true lasting value, which can be lost because everything is impermanent. And that has never been as stuck, you know, kind of shown to us right now, you know, where even a whole paradigm is now at its, you know, it's starting to really fall apart. You know, and we all knew that something had to happen. We just didn't know what to do. And now just this thing happened. And it, it does know what to do in, in some ways. You know, it's not 
pain-free, but you know, we at least we have some medicine which is called in the Buddhist teaching which we can apply to this. Yeah. May you have every good blessing. <clears throat> May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Buddhas. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Dhamma. May you ever be well. May you have every good blessing. May all the devas protect you by the power of all the Sangha. May you ever be well. Thank you everybody for coming. And next month, uh, Venuptama Dipa is going to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.